One of the things I get asked most is, how did you end up doing what you're doing? Well, today I'm going to take you on a little bit of a trip down memory lane that starts with when I was very young and leads you through how I came to do what I'm doing now and how it came from places of pain and experiences that I had that were rich blessings to me in my growth journey and in leading me to exactly where I am today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. I'll see you on the other side. Hey friends, welcome to the Align the Good Life podcast. I'm Brooke Hemingway, and around here, we like to talk about the things that matter, like how to create soul-fulfilling success by aligning your life and taking powerful, intentional action so that you get to experience the best of what life has to offer. From business, to health, to letting go of limits, to raising babies while building dreams, to relationships, and real talk. We have it all here on Align the Good Life. So let's dive in. Hey friends, welcome to the podcast today. So today it's just me, myself, and I, and I thought today we would go on a little bit of a journey and I would share with you a little bit more about my story and how I came to have a podcast, how I came to have thousands of coaching students, having an event, having a seven-figure business, all of these things, and how that even happened, how I went from being basically a stay-at-home mom to being an entrepreneur and a creator. And a lot of people know my story, but maybe not all aspects of my story. And specifically, I hope what you'll pull through out of this episode is the courage to take action and where that comes from and why it matters. And I'm going to share parts of my story that maybe you have never heard and some that you know. And so, you know, my story is not unlike a lot of people. I had a very normal life, a pretty normal upbringing. One thing that was maybe different about my upbringing than a lot of people is that we moved a lot from the time I was young, um, the time I was in first grade, actually. We started this process of moving every one, two, or three years. And so for me personally, as a child, that was really difficult. It was hard to have to make new friends in a public school system every one, two, or three years to be the new person. And especially since back then, I really didn't have a sense of self, who I was. I really didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I felt like I didn't fit in. I didn't have a really strong sense of self. I didn't have confidence. And so every one, two, or three years, we would be moving to a different state, not even just a different town, but a different state, a different school. And unlike my family where, you know, for the most part, our kids are homeschooled. They go to elementary school, but after that, they're homeschooled. So we do live in a couple different places, but it's not the same experience that I had growing up where literally we would set down roots. I would think we were maybe going to stay there because I would really fall in love with the place. And then all of a sudden that summer, I'd find out we were moving. And for me personally, that was really, really difficult And so this happened, and then finally, in about middle school, we settled in Wisconsin, and I actually lived in Wisconsin the longest of all of the places that I lived. I went to high school there, graduated high school, still never really totally felt connected, didn't feel like I necessarily fit in. It was a very small town, close-knit community. Pretty much everyone had been born and raised there. Their families had been born and raised there, and we were outsiders. And so it was also very uncomfortable for me, especially at that time being a preteen, a teenager, 
and going into a new place. And so I always had this feeling that I didn't belong, that there wasn't a place for me. And I know that some of you listening to this episode will relate to that, just this general feeling of loneliness or not feeling like you belonged. And so as soon as I was 18, as soon as I graduated, I was like, how fast can I get on a plane? And I worked the summer. And as soon as I finished up my job as a car hop at Annie's Burger Town in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, which I think is still in business and I still love their cheese curds. I know they're not healthy, but man, cheese curds at Annie's Burger Town and their fresh burgers and fresh homemade root beer, the bomb, you guys. So I was a car hop there. I worked through the summer and then I was on a plane as soon as I could get on a plane and off to Hawaii. I went to college in Hawaii and honestly, Hawaii to me was really a place of healing. It's a place where I did a lot of healing with my relationship with self, also a lot of healing with my relationship with God, meaning I think for a lot of years growing up as a teenager, I felt like I was not good enough. I felt like I was not loved. I felt like I was not worthy. I had these ideas that my creator had ideas about me that he was just disappointed, that I was a disappointment. And so I was living my entire life with this belief inside that I was a disappointment. And that was a heavy load to bear. Maybe some of you here listening to this, wow, you hear that and you're like, ooh, I I resonate with that. So I felt like I was a disappointment. And for those first few years in Hawaii, I did a lot of healing. And I was able to get reconnected with my creator and I was able to get reconnected with myself, experience joy, do a lot of healing from growing up and parents' divorce and things like that and kind of figure out who I was. I had always had an intention when I was young and I know that part of this came from what I saw, what I experienced growing up. And I'm not saying that I had a terrible childhood. I had two great parents that had their own problems. I have great siblings. I had, by a lot of accounts, a really blessed childhood and upbringing. But for me personally, there were things that were really hard and traumatic for me and created wounds that needed healing. And one of those, like I said, was belonging. Another one was attaching, being able to attach to people and being able to like really connect with people. Because when you live in a situation growing up where you're constantly having to detach and move and form new relationships and nothing feels permanent and nothing feels forever, you kind of learn how to detach. But also one of the other things that I had to heal from was just like, going through, you know, watching the evolution of my parents' marriage and watching them get divorced when I was 16. And that happened when I was away at gymnastics camp. It just like happened on one weekday and I was away at gymnastics camp and I came home and they were divorced. And I had this idea going into college that I was going to be a career woman. And I know that part of the reason why I wanted to do that is because I never wanted to be in a situation where I was financially dependent on someone else Not because my dad was the scum of the earth, but my dad was not stable. He had a lot of mental health issues. He had a lot of depression. He made a lot of poor choices that led to a not happy life. And it led to a lot of chaos and a lot of uncertainty for my mom. Like, is the water bill going to be paid? Is the electric bill going to be paid? Where's your dad? He's disappeared for a week or two weeks. And just a lot of uncertainty as it pertains to finances and, and security. So I just decided I was going to get my degree, I was going to have a career, and then maybe I would think about getting married, 
right? Because I did love the idea of family. I loved the idea of kids. It's something that I grew up with, you know, in religion and in faith that was really highlighted and still is very important to me. But it wasn't like my dream. I didn't graduate and I wasn't like a lot of young women that were like butterflies about getting married and starting a family. Like that wasn't me. I thought there was something wrong with me for not feeling that way. But now when I look back, I'm like, oh, that was your protective mechanism trying to keep you safe and telling you, hey, go get your degree, have a career, do all those things, and then maybe think about marriage. Well, you know how things go, right? Is like you make your plans and you decide what you're going to do and God has other plans for you, right? And so enter Thomas Hemingway. And I met Thomas at a time when I had just broken up with this super cute local kid, like, oh my gosh, like he would sing to me on his ukulele. And I was like, just, you know, I had island fever, right? And I had just broken up with this boy because he wanted to marry me and he wanted to get married real soon. And I was like, whoa, because I had fear of that. And it just, there was something inside of me that was like, that's not going to be the right choice for you. You're going to end up barefoot and pregnant with like 12 kids. Well, funny thing is I have six, but there was something inside of me that knew that wasn't the right choice. So I broke it off. I was mending a, a, you know, a broken heart and just feeling kind of hurt. And I swore off dating and I wasn't going to date anybody, but I got introduced to Thomas. We went on a blind date, which was a hike. We ended up spending the entire afternoon together talking the whole time. And basically the rest is history. We ended up talking every day, spending time together every day, really just getting to become like best friends as well as falling in love with each other. And 10 and a half months later, we were married. I said I would never, ever, ever be a teenage bride. And even sometimes today, it pains me to say I got married when I was 19. And I followed up by saying I was two weeks from 20. So I was almost 20. But we decided to get married because we loved each other. We had common values. We didn't want to be apart. He was going to start med school in a couple of months. And so he was going to be leaving Hawaii. And we were either going to have a long distance relationship or break it up. Or we were going to get married because we realized we were very compatible. We loved each other. We had so much fun together. And we could see ourselves building a future together. So we decided to get married even though I was 19 and I was like, I am not getting married. Like, can we get married a couple weeks later or a month later? And he was like, no, babe, like I'm going to be starting med school and like, let's get married and let's play all summer before I start med school. So that's what we did. We literally had no money to our name. We got $1,100 cash from different people for our weddings because I mean, this is back in the day, you guys, 24 years ago, people didn't get like a house when they got married. And they didn't get like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And also people didn't spend like $25,000 like on their wedding, right? My wedding dress was $750. My wedding ring that I still wear today, if you're watching this podcast, $750. It's still the same ring I wear. Um, And maybe my wedding cost five, six, seven, ten thousand dollars $10,000, right? Total. My mom paid for my wedding and my mom was a single mom at the time on a single income. And so we weren't going big and we did not have a lot of money to our name, but packed up a U-Haul with my mom's old furniture because she was in the process of moving to Hawaii. She was a smart one. And she's like, hey, I can't take this stuff with me. So the furniture that I grew up with was the furniture that we had when we first got married. My dad gave us an old car that he had. That was the car that we drove. And I got a job for $7.25 an hour 
at a bank as a bank teller. And that's how things started out for us. And for four years, we lived in San Diego. He went to med school. I worked two jobs as a bank teller, as a personal trainer, and I got my degree in kinesiology from San Diego State University while he was studying. We decided not to have kids right away. We There was so much wisdom in that for us. And I think for everybody, it's such a personal choice. But for us, there was just this knowing that like, hey, life was going to be stressful. Med school, going through all this stuff was going to be stressful. And I looked around at all the other people that were having kids uh, in med school and like all these other young married people with kids. And man, they just looked exhausted. They kind of looked miserable to me and no judgment like on them. But like to me, I interpreted that as wow that does not look fun and that does not look like it will be easy on marriage. And I just want to focus on knowing this human, liking this human, forming a really strong relationship with him so that when and if we do decide to have kids, we are deeply in love and deeply committed to each other. And we're not just rushing into having kids just because it's a a norm, you know, in our faith or it's a norm for, you know, when you get married, you have kids. So we decided not to have kids. And we didn't have kids for eight years. We did med school. We did residency. I went back to school a second time while he was in residency at UCLA. And I, in true Brooke fashion with my extreme gene of like, let me do all the things super fast, super hard, super awesome. I did an accelerated BSN program that was a three semester program that gave you your BSN in nursing in three semesters. Now, granted, you had to have a degree already in something else, and you had to have all these other prereqs like anatomy, physiology, chemistry. Good thing is, though, I had all of those things from my first degree. And so I was like, hey, if I'm going to do this, like, let's do it quick and dirty. Come on, baby. So I got my degree, and then I started working as an ICU nurse, and I did that for 10 years while at the same time teaching fitness classes, training people. And I'd been doing that since I was 19. I started when we were in San Diego in the fitness path. And rewinding just a little bit to fitness and how that really fit into my life is, remember how I told you I didn't have a lot of confidence? I didn't believe in myself. I also had a really poor body image. I didn't like my body at all. But what I got from fitness and for me, what was healthy about fitness is I learned how to really appreciate my body and how to treat it better with exercise and how to just appreciate the strength that my body had. I also did so much encouraging and coaching for other people to love their body and to be proud of the workout that they put in. And I was just this like encourager because I was saying to the people the things that I needed to hear. And that's often what we do in life, right? If you're a coach listening to this, or you're a leader listening to this, or you're a parent listening to this, you will typically teach other people the things that you have learned or the things that you are learning. And so I was like, you're doing amazing. You're doing awesome. Look how strong you are. You've got five more. You can do, you know, that was me. I was just this like, honor your body, love your body, look at what it did today. And I was saying these things to empower and encourage other people, but they were also for me as well to heal that relationship with my body. So I continued to teach fitness and train people and work as a nurse for 10 years. And then 10 years into nursing, I finally realized that for years and years, I'd been working as a nurse. And to be honest with you, 
aside from my first year working as a nurse. And my first year working as a nurse, I literally went into the lion's den. Again, classic Brooke style. Let me pick the hardest thing and do the hardest thing. I decided to apply for a job in the cardiothoracic ICU at UCLA, okay? The cardiothoracic ICU is no joke. It's heart transplants, lung transplants, cabbages, congenital heart defects, congenital heart babies, like all the crap that could go wrong with hearts and lungs. Oh, cracked chests, ECMO, anybody that's in the medical field knows these things. That was my first job. I worked at UCLA and I loved it. I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie, you guys. Okay, I love a challenge. And if you tell me I can't do something, I think because I haven't had this confidence my whole life, it's like, ooh, let me show you. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove I can do it. And part of it is because I wanna prove to you that I can do it. But I think an even bigger part is I wanna prove to myself I can do it. And so I took this job at UCLA, loved it. Then we moved back to Hawaii because I got pregnant with our first baby. And uh, we decided we didn't really want to raise a family in LA. It just wasn't really what we wanted to do. You know, nothing against people that love LA, but for us, it just didn't feel like where we wanted to raise our family. And so we came back to the beautiful island of Kauai where we started our family. And I worked as a nurse for nine more years. And I can honestly say that nine out of those nine years, I did not love what I was doing, but I kept that job because of scarcity. I was afraid to not be making money of my own. I always wanted to have something of my own. Going back to the beginning of my story, I never wanted to be dependent on anyone else for income or providing for me. I wanted to have a say. I wanted to be making some income, even if it was only you know, one or $2,000 a month. That was one or $2,000 a month that I was making. And so I held on to working as a nurse part-time. And finally, after nine years in Hawaii working as a nurse, I realized that it was sucking the life out of me because that's what will happen if you keep engaging in the same things or you keep doing the same work or you keep showing up um, in the same bad relationship or bad job. Like eventually you will get to the point where it's like you, you literally can't make yourself do it. Like you realize that it is sucking you dry and sucking the life out of you. And I realized that about nursing and it was while I was pregnant with my fifth child. And yes, the fear came up, right? The fear came up of like, if I let go of this, like then I'm not making income. And, you know, I always want to have some independence. And there was that fear that came up, but there was this greater wisdom inside of me that was like, you know what? You don't need to be doing this anymore. You don't have anything to prove to anyone. You don't have to prove that you're a bad A and you have four kids and you're still working as a nurse and you're still super fit teaching these fitness classes. Like, who are you trying to prove this to? Because you're miserable. I mean, how often in our lives do we keep doing something because we want to prove, not even to ourselves, but to other people that we can do it, that we're not quitters that we're strong enough, that we're tough enough, that we're successful enough or bright enough. And it was like, I finally just had this moment where I was like, who are you kidding? You hate this and you have to live with yourself at the end of the day. And you do not want to be, you don't want to be like a lot of these night shift nurses that are cranky and fat and unhappy. I'm not saying all night shift nurses are that way, but you know what? I just like saw the writing down the wall 10 years from now, I said to myself, 10 years from now, if I'm still doing this, I'm going to be 
cranky. I'm going to be resentful. I'm going to be a victim. I'm probably going to be overweight. I'm going to be unhappy. And that's going to be all my fault because I decided to stay in it. And so I remember the day that I called and I gave my notice and I never looked back. I never once for a second regretted And I feel like when we follow our path that we're supposed to go on, even though it's super, super scary and the unknown leading up to it is super scary, once we do it, it's like, oh my gosh, what took me so long? Why didn't I do that sooner? Because you feel so much freedom. You feel the weight lifted and you feel like, wow, I just gave up X amount of my year life to that and I could have said no years ago, or I could have quit years ago, but I quit. That was about eight years ago. Never looked back, let my license lapse. I tell people nowadays, there's no way I will ever go back and work as a nurse again. Now that I've learned about entrepreneurship and business and I've learned how to make money and I've gained the confidence and the skills and the mindset, like if everything fell apart in my life, I would totally be able to rebuild it probably two or three times. Like I literally have no fear and Fear is what keeps us holding on to those things that are slowly killing us. But when you release the thing that's slowly killing you and you jump off the cliff and you have no other choice but to fly and to spread your wings and to flap your wings and to go for it, you learn real fast and you figure it out real fast. And once you figure it out, you're like, wow, this is a secret that more people need to know about. Like you don't have to stay in a life and soul sucking job or career or a life and soul sucking terrible marriage or a life and soul sucking, you know, business partnership or whatever, right? Like I've had to say no to a lot of those things over the last few years. So I made that decision eight years ago. And then seven years ago, I was uh, postpartum again. Another part of my story is, you know, we decided to have these kids and it was really actually probably different than a lot of people. Um, And again, for a lot of years, I judged myself and I thought, what's wrong with me? And I think a lot of women feel this way that are not necessarily super maternalistic, meaning they don't get baby hungry. They don't have dreams about babies. They don't like cry at night over having babies. Like that was never me. It was really like a pragmatic decision that we made the last year of his residency And after I'd gotten some work experience as a nurse, it was just a decision we made. We're like, hey, we want to build a legacy. We love the idea of having a family and raising kids and doing it together because we love each other. And we had such a strong bond at that point. And we want to create something that lasts forever. And so why not now? So it was kind of just like a discussion where we decided, you know, now is just as good as any other time. And it was really just a logical decision. So we started having these kids. My husband started working his regular job once he got out of residency to pull ourselves out of piles and piles of med school loan debt and and student loan debt from my two degrees because ain't no one pay for our college. Nobody paid for our college. They didn't pay for our housing. They didn't give us, you know, my, my dad gave us his old car, which broke down after a couple of years. My mom gave us her old furniture. They loved us. They gave us their their support and love in that way, but nobody paid for our college. And so we had hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt and we were starting a family and we wanted to buy a home and we were very uncomfortable with debt. And so we made the decision as a couple that basically Thomas was going to work all the time. And so that's what he did. He literally worked all the time. 
like six or seven days a week and sometimes 24 hour shifts into eight hour shifts or eight hour shifts into 24 hour shifts into eight hour shifts. So just imagine this. Uh, We moved to an island. I don't have any family there. I don't have any friends, no social support on the island. My husband, who I've been so close to for, you know, eight years of marriage, all of a sudden is gone all the time working and I'm having these babies and the depression started to set in the postpartum depression, the darkness, the black hole. And I didn't know what it was, except that I felt really guilty about it. I felt really guilty that I wasn't happier in my life, that I wasn't happy. I was living in Hawaii, you guys. And I had a husband that was faithful and loved me and doted on me when he was actually home. And I had beautiful, healthy kids. And, and I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I should be so happy and feel so blessed. And all I felt was anxiety and darkness and sadness and like what happened to me and what happened to my life. And I loved my babies. Like, don't get me wrong. I actually am one of the weird ones that loves the baby stage. I actually did not like being pregnant. That was not me. I was not one of those like, oh, it's so beautiful. I'm so beautiful. I feel so amazing. I actually hated being pregnant. But I love the new baby stage and the cuddliness and nursing and being close to my babies and just loving on them because they can't really talk back to you, right? They just love you and they eat and they sleep and they poop and they're just so simple. So I loved them, but I felt this deep well of sadness and emptiness and this deep well of loneliness that I quite honestly hadn't felt for a while since I was a child growing up and moving a lot and those feelings started to come back. And I started to feel very alone and very depressed. And so I struggled on and off with postpartum depression for years while having babies and especially after my fourth baby. Hey, you listening to the podcast. You know, it's really great to have your ears tuned into the podcast, but you know what would be even more awesome? Seeing you in person this January at Align Limitless. If you've never been, you're in for a treat. And if you've been before, you know, it is the business and personal development conference of the year. It's more than just the tips and the tools and the tactics. It's the heart, soul, and strategy behind success, what it takes to get there, what it takes to maintain it, and what it takes to do it with your heart and soul intact. I know that this is the conference you need to be at to kick off 2023. We're going to be uncovering your limitations and helping you to finally lay them to rest so that you can move forward in 2023, unlocking everything that's possible for you. To grab your tickets, you're going to want to go to AlignEventsLive.com. Again, that's AlignEventsLive.com. And you can even enter this promo code to take $100 off of any ticket. The code is ALIGN100, all caps, A-L-I-G-N, and the number 100. I can't wait to see you there in person, to dance with you, laugh with you, cry with you, learn together, grow together, and finally release those limitations. We'll see you at ALIGN in January. That entire year is kind of a blur. I don't remember much of that year. I didn't reach out and get help. Um, I didn't go to therapy. I being on a small island, there weren't a lot of resources for that. And so I just kind of like tried to figure it out on my own. I exercised. And when people ask me how I got through that, I say, honestly, it was God and exercise. 
Like if I hadn't had exercise and God wasn't just watching over me and angels to like keep me safe and keep me okay and keep me from running off the road, no joke, and keep me from just like running away from it all, I wouldn't be here. And so I have so much compassion for moms and for postpartum depression and so much rich experience with that. So, you know, I had these kids and you might be like, well, why would you have any more kids? And fair question. I'm sure there's people listening that are kind of judging this like, well, hey, chick, maybe you should have cut it off after two or after three or why why are you overpopulating, blah, 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 whatever. Okay, fine. Totally fine if you want to think that way. But I really live my life by inspiration. This is the thing about me is if I really, truly feel inspired about something and I feel like I am getting a nudge, a push, an inspiration, a sign, a revelation, whatever you want to call it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I have this built-in mechanism that's like, oh, inspiration, revelation. Okay, let's go. And trust me, like I wish I had the hesitation gene. Sometimes I think having the hesitation gene would really be beneficial to me, but I'm telling you that the hesitation gene kills more dreams, more success, more love, more abundance than anything else. So, you know, I take that back. Like if you're a hesitator, you got to stop that because the hesitation is killing your dreams. It's killing your progress. It's killing your success. It's killing what could be on the other side, right? Of, of just being that person that takes action. And so the reason I had a fifth and I have a longer gap between my fourth and fifth because of that depression, I ended up getting myself healthy, sending my kids to school, not trying to be everything to everyone and homeschool my kids, which is what I'd done before. I sent them to school and I just really felt super strongly that there was a fifth baby. And I went to my husband and he was like, yeah, no, because he'd had to live through this as well. Right. And so, um, he was a no and I didn't push it. I just kept working on myself, being healthy, being happy, taking care of the house, the kids, all the things. And every once in a while would bring it up. And after six months, he was like, yeah, I feel like you're right. I do feel like, I feel like there's another one. And so I got pregnant and we had Lily Girl. She's my seven-year-old at the time of this recording. She's my sweet little seven-year-old, my type one diabetic warrior girl. And she is just the sweetest thing ever and was such a huge blessing. And I am so thankful that I decided to have her because deciding to have her created the pain again for me. And you might be listening and thinking like, what? Like, that's why you're grateful for her? Well, no, I'm grateful for her for a lot of reasons. But after I had her, the same things started to set in. The postpartum depression, the hopelessness, the anxiety, the nightmares about my kids dying on plane crashes, Thomas dying, like all these things started to come back up. And the warning signs of that postpartum blues were coming back up again. And I was terrified. And because I was terrified and I did not want to go down that road again, because I didn't know if I could do it again, I started being more open-minded to alternatives. I started being more open-minded to other things that might help me because I am more natural-minded. And because of Lily, I found gut health. Because of Lily, I found a company that I decided to partner with and I decided to affiliate myself with them and I decided to grow a business with them. And I started to learn more about natural health and healing. I started to learn more about foods. I started to learn more about probiotics and all of these different things. 
that completely changed my life, completely changed how I was able to show up as a mom, as a wife, just as a human being. It literally like woke my body up. And that was my experience. I'm not saying that's everyone's experience. I'm not making any medical claims or anything here. I'm just saying that the experience of having Lily put me back into the place of pain that left me open, right? Because our pain breaks us open and our pain makes us search and seek. And I was broken open and I was searching and seeking. And right at that right time, this came into my life. And with that particular brand, I decided to build a business. And I ended up going on to build a seven-figure business in just a couple of years. And through the process of building a business, really what I specialized in, and I think it's because of my early struggles, what I specialized in is I specialized in seeing potential in people in loving people and seeing potential in people and developing potential in people, speaking life into them, helping them to grow in their confidence, helping them to grow in their courage, helping them to grow in learning how to use their voice. Like that was my bread and butter. That was my jam. And anytime I could see the lights turn on for a woman and I could tell like, oh my gosh, she believes in herself. She has confidence. Like, look at her go. I was like, yes. Like that's what I fell in love with was just seeing the lights turn on and seeing people believe in themselves and leading them to a better life for themselves, leading them to a better life of prosperity, a better life in their relationships, a better quality of life in their mindset, in their heart, in their spirituality, into a more aligned life. And so I built this incredible business through building other people and building leaders and specifically you know, mostly women and moms. And that was like really my passion because I, here I was a mom with all these kids and nursing babies and building a business. And it was hard because Thomas was working 80 hours a week. He was still gone. Nobody came to rescue me. Nobody came in to do the laundry, to make the dinners, to change the diapers. Nobody else could nurse my baby. Nobody could do the shopping. Like That was all on me still, and I built this seven-figure business. And so I am just this person that's like, yes, girl, you can do it. Yes, mama. Not only can you do it, you must do it. Be an example to your kids of what's possible. Be an example of a courageous woman, of a faithful woman. Be an example of someone going against the grain and saying, hey, I love my family, I love my kids, and I also love this, and I'm also this. And, 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 right? Because so often as women and mothers, we put ourselves in a box. I'm a mom. Awesome. I love that you're a mom. But you're also a lot of other things. And for many, many years, I forgot that. For years and years, the first nine years of having children, I completely lost myself in motherhood. And I think a lot of us do that and we think it's a noble thing to do. We become martyrs to it even. And in the process, we also build up a lot of sadness, depression, anxiety, resentment against maybe our spouse or our partner or resentment against our kids. When in reality, we're the ones that are responsible for losing ourselves. And so when I started my business seven years ago, I really went on this journey of finding myself again and just remembering who I was and remembering what gifts and skills and talents I had and then helping other people to remember who they were and what gifts and skills and talents they had. And so built this incredible business, um, still have this incredible business and love developing leaders and all that stuff. 
But I also realized just like I didn't only want to be put in a box as a mom, I didn't only want to be put in a box with a company. And as much as I was grateful for that, I felt very confined and I felt very much like I was in a box and I was told, hey, you should just keep your head down. Just keep doing this. You're doing great. You're making a lot of money. You're amazing at it. All the accolades, all the things. But you and I both know when your soul is saying, there's more, there's more for you. There's more you're supposed to do. If you ignore that call, it's a slow, silent death. And it's a slow, silent death that will also take your business down with it. And so I decided not to ignore that call. I decided to really dive into personal growth and development. I went on to become a certified high-performance coach through Brendan Burchard, have loved and followed a lot of his teachings for four years, started going to his seminars, um, his high-performance seminars, his influencer seminars, his mastermind. I just started investing, investing, investing. I got a coach, my first coach, coach Preston Pugmire, who helped me to really let go of some of these old thoughts and beliefs. Um, Tiffany Peterson, one of my dear friends, coaches and mentors. Alejandro Crisafuli, one of my dear friends, coaches and mentors. These are all people I'm mentioning their names because I feel like it's really important when someone has helped you to give them credit. These people have helped me in my life and helped me to grow along with so many other friends and mentors. But I dove into this like development and learning and growth and coaching and then becoming a coach to other people and wanting to help people to realize what was possible for their life because there is nothing more painful than the pain of regret. The pain of a year going by and looking back and being like, I didn't do anything that I said I was going to do this year. Now imagine that compounded by a lifetime. The reality is most people will get to the end of their lives and they'll look back and they'll feel regret. They'll wish they'd gone skydiving. They'll wish they'd tried to be a singer on Broadway. They'll wish they had made the kind of money they could have made to provide the the life for their family they wanted. They'll wish they had pursued that dream. They'll wish they had had more time for their family, which entrepreneurship provides. They'll wish all these things and they'll have so much regret. And I want to get to the end of my life and I want to help people to get to their end of the li- the end of their life without that regret. And I do that through coaching, I do it through masterminds, I do it through mentorship, and I do it through an event called Align. And I never would have thought even four years ago when I started down this personal development path that I would be hosting an annual conference, that I would be gathering hundreds of people together into a room to bring in speakers, mentors, coaches, and myself, that together we would be creating this transformative experience for people at the beginning of the year where they have the opportunity to leave all the cares and worries of home to leave all the stress of work behind and to come and be fully present and immersed in one room for three days. Do you even know what a gift that is? Do you even know what an opportunity that is? I know because I have six humans and these humans, they take a lot of care. They take a lot of work. They take a lot of love and I love them to pieces. But every time I would go to an event because... The majority of that time, my husband was working 80 hours a week. What did I have to do? 
I had to prepare meals ahead of time and put them in the freezer. I had to set up babysitting, drop-offs, pickups, people to come over and watch the kids. I would also set up surf time for my husband because I realized he's working 80 hours. If he doesn't go surfing a couple times while I'm gone, it's not going to be good. But like, I would literally have to like organize all this crap, pay all this money to get things in place so that I could get in the room. But I did it. Because there was something inside of me that knew like, Brooke, you got to get yourself in places of growth. you got to get yourself in places of transformation. You have got to get yourself around people that think differently than the other people in your life, that think differently than your family, who's amazing and you love them, that think differently than the friends you grew up with, that think differently than the people you go to church with, that you have got to put yourself in a place where people think bigger where people dream bigger, where people see possibilities, where people are filled with hope, not with fear, because the people that are filled with hope get themselves in that room. How do I know? Because they invested in that room. And to invest to be in a room means you are a person of faith, means you are a person of hope. To choose scarcity, fear, worry, oh my gosh, I can't, the kids, work, money, ah, my husband, ah, that's fear. You're letting fear run the show. But when you choose faith, that means you are a person of hope. So when you come to a line, you are literally surrounding yourself with powerful people filled with hope, filled with faith, filled with a belief in the possibilities. And so four years ago, when I started down this path of deep, deep learning and growth, after about a year, I realized I have, and you have to understand if you aren't familiar with my story, what I had accomplished in my field in three and a half years time, number one, had never been accomplished by any anybody in in my company. Number two, has never been repeated since. And number three, was done in a very short period of time by somebody that had 150 Facebook friends, that's me, that had no big social network, that had no social media experience, that had no Instagram. Like I was this normal girl from small town USA that didn't believe in herself, that was an introvert, that went on to do something in three and a half years time that had never been done and has never been done since. And so I had a lot of people's ears and a lot of people's eyes. And I could have just been like, cool, that's awesome. Like everyone thinks I'm awesome. Woohoo. Well, guess what? I had the good sense to be like, you're not that important, Brooke. And I'll say that to you. Like if you've done something really awesome in your career and you've had quite a bit of success, that's awesome but you're not really that important. And so I had this good sense about me that yes, that was really, really awesome, but you know what would be even more awesome is if I could help other people, if I could encourage and inspire other people, if I could help a 40-something-year-old mom like myself with kids and a really busy full life believe that her dreams are worth it, that her dreams matter, that her time is not up, that she's not too late, that she's not too old, that she's not too unpopular, that she's not too behind. Like if I can help one person or 10 people or 100 people or 1,000 people or 10,000 people or a million people, if I can help anyone to realize that it's possible for them, I want to do that. And so I had this inspiration to do an event and I was scared out of my mind. Why? Well, because our brain is programmed for safety and security. And to put myself out there, to be criticized, 
to be judged for stepping outside of the box of what I was just killing it in and I was crushing it and I was so good at and I could have just kept only crushing it in that space and not gone on to coach and inspire and train and mentor and mastermind and do events. I could have totally stayed in that box and kept my success and my methods and my secrets and all the things to myself but that didn't feel good. So I decided to do this event regardless of the fear. And the first one I did had 85 women and it was kind of like a mastermind sort of retreat experience in this gigantic house in a place called Bear Lake. And it's like the only house I've ever seen that can sleep 85 people, but we packed the house, it was full and it was incredible. And from that moment on, I realized that really what I've been called to do, and it was kind of a circuitous path to this, right? is to gather people and that there's power in gathering people. I think over the last couple of years, and I'm going to try not to get emotional about this, but I think over the last couple of years, our minds have really been played with. Our minds and our hearts have been played with, and we've been told to stay home, and we've been told to stay away from people, and we've been doing everything virtual, and we've been creating this distance. And in reality, we are people that are communal people. We are meant to gather. We're meant to be together in community. We're meant to support and boost each other up. We're meant to get together. And some of us over the last few years have gotten into this habit of staying alone, staying small, staying away from people, telling ourselves it's not necessary. I don't need to get in the room. I don't need to go to that thing. I can just hop on my computer. And in reality, That is not in any way, shape, or form the same experience of being in the room. We are meant to gather as human beings, especially as dreamers, as goal-getters, as people that are going against the grain. Because if you are trying to build something, if you are trying to create a business or become a coach or start an events business or be a leader in a company, if you're trying to do anything that puts you into the entrepreneur category, You are not the norm. You are going against the grain and doing it alone is so hard and it's so lonely and you can only get so far trying to figure it out on your own. But when you get in a room with hundreds of people who are like, I have a dream too and it's big and it's crazy and scary and hey, let's be friends. Let's message each other. Let's check in on each other and you stay in touch with these people that you meet, dozens if not hundreds of people that you meet over the years. These people become your true friends. They become your cheerleaders. They're not your competition. They're not in your business, a lot of them. Some of them you end up being business partners with and you end up collaborating on things and guess what? All boats rise together, right? So it's collaboration and community over competition. And gathering people together is such a huge part of my mission. It's why I do Align every single year. Trust me, it is not easy. And anybody that's ever put on events knows they're expensive, they're super time-consuming, they're really stressful, and they they literally kind of like stop your life for a couple of months. But to me, it is such a pleasure 
to be able to do it and to be able to gather hungry souls together, hungry people that want change in their life, right? Les Brown says, you gotta be hungry, right? If you've ever listened to any of his speeches, like he is one of my all-time favorites and I wish so much that I could have Les Brown speaking on my stage because he's such an inspiration, but he says you gotta be hungry and being in that room to me means you're hungry. Not being in that room to me means you're afraid, you're fearful, you might have excuses, you might not believe in yourself, you don't think you're worthy of the investment. You think maybe I should spend that $500 on some more Christmas presents, my kids won't even remember next week, right? Like we come up with all these different stories when in reality it comes back to you deciding I'm worth it, I'm worth the investment. My dreams matter. My dreams are serious. My dreams are not going to leave me. My dreams are either going to be something that I work on and I work towards my whole life or they're going to be something that haunt me. And so I'm a gatherer. It's the heart of what I do. And this whole circuitous route of pain growing up and feeling lonely and, and feeling like I didn't belong anywhere and feeling like I didn't really have a home or a home of people all of that pain has been turned into this beautiful purpose for me where I create this space where I want everyone to feel seen. I want everyone to feel important. I want everyone to feel like they belong in that space. And I want everyone there to feel like what they dream and what they desire is completely normal. And you get to be together with all the other weird people that have big dreams too. And it is a place of belonging and it is a place of truth and it is a place of growth and it is a place that has been inspired for the last four years that will continue to be inspired. My job is to gather you. Your job is to get in the room and then I let God take care of the rest. So I just wanted to share that piece of my story, where this all came from, so you can understand a little bit about my background and what led me to where I am and why I'm so passionate about what I do, because I feel like on this podcast, I want you to not only get tips and tools and and strategies, I also just want you to hear not only my story, but other people's stories, because in hearing other people's pains, trials, overcoming, the things that they've created, the inspiration that they've followed, I hope more than anything, it gives you courage to pursue your dreams and to really live your one beautiful life in a big, amazing way. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. I hope this podcast blessed you. If you loved it, share it with a friend. Please rate and review. It does make a difference if you rate and review. Um, it just helps this podcast to be seen by more people. And of course, if you want to be in that room in January and you want to experience the transformation and you want to have the most incredible, powerful, successful, aligned life in 2023, get yourself a ticket. You go to alignEventsLive.com and it will be linked in the show notes. And I can't wait to see you there. Thanks for listening into the podcast today. If you loved it, a review, rating, and share on social would be epic and helps in spreading the word. Everything I create is in the hopes of helping you advance your life, energy, and business. If you're looking for the next level of growth and a conference to light 2023 on fire, Mark your calendars and grab your ticket to Align Limitless, January 19th through 21st on the beautiful waterfront of Tampa Bay, Florida. It's your one-stop shop for growth, development, expert advice, and so much more. You've never seen anything like it. 
and I hope to see you there. Until next time, promise me this, you'll keep living life to the fullest and working towards your very own good life. Aloha. Aloha.